Everybody doing pretty good? Has everybody had their coffee already? How many of you missed it and wish, you know what, I wish I could just go get some right now, but I would look weird kind of slipping out? Um, I'm not going to tell you if you can or not. I'm just going to say coffee is good, and we'll just leave it at that. We are in week four of our series, Living Financially Free. How many of you have enjoyed the principles that we've talked about? I know some of them, yeah, we get hands going up. I know some of us have, have, uh, have had our, sto- our toes stepped on. Um, I've had my toes stepped on um, sitting in some of the meetings with, with the other teaching pastors. I'm like, man, there are, there's a couple things I need to, I need to change, you know? Um, so, but all in all, this is biblical stuff that when we adhere to it, when we really digest it, and when we make some, some real changes in our lives, God makes some pretty big promises, doesn't he? See, God loves for us to be completely dependent on him. And one of the biggest things in our lives that has a tendency to control us is finances. And so it's not that God needs money. It's not that he cares so much about it in and of itself, but he cares about the things that have the propensity to control us. And he wants to be our source. And that's why he has so much to say about it. Today we're going to be talking about giving from the heart. Can we just say that? Say giving from the heart. Beautiful, beautiful. How how many of you have ever given a gift and your heart was really in it? I mean, you searched for the right thing. It was about, you just couldn't wait to see the person's face when they opened it. You know what I mean? And, and then they open it, and it just brings so much joy to your heart because of what they got out of it. You know what I mean? How many of you have ever, on the opposite end of that, given something, and it was just kind of about you? You kind of wanted to make a status uh, symbol out of yourself. You want to kind of just say, well, I would get this, but they wouldn't think I'm, I'm cool enough, good enough. So I kind of went the other way with it. And, and there's that difference when it comes to giving. But when you give with the heart, when you give with the part of you that is deeply satisfied about what the recipient is getting, then there's a part of you in your soul that lights up with joy. And if you've ever given like that, you know what I'm talking about. When you give sacrificially, when you give out of a part of yourself that it hurts a little bit because of what you're having to give up for who the person uh, is that, that, that you're giving it to. But there's something in that, even when it hurts from a fleshly standpoint because we're doing without so that somebody else can, be, can have more of, um, there's something inside of us, joy, that lights up like no other time in our lives. And the human part of you says, I can't give beyond my comfortability. And that's tip, right before we give like that, right before we, we give really extravagantly, typically our human self will kick in and say, that's not a good idea. You know what I mean? And we're tempted to listen to it, but what I've tried to do in my life is say, now, is that God or is that me? And typically, if I feel an uh, unction inside of me to give from the heart, to give, typically it's going to stretch me a little bit, but there's always that human part of me that says, that's, that's not a good idea, that's a little bit too much, or that's a little bit too much of your time, or that's, they don't deserve that. And we start going <laughs> along the list of human things, and if we can just begin to understand that, you know what, God is always going to ask us to give, and it costs us something. I'm not necessarily talking about finances here. Sometimes he'll ask us to give of our time when we don't feel like we have it to give. How many of you have ever had a busy schedule just on the docket, man? It is like one thing after the other, and all of a sudden you get a phone call from somebody who's broken and needs you. And the first thing you say is, I don't have time for this. Or you see somebody on the side of the road, and I'm not suggesting pull over and pick up everybody you see on the side of the road or help, because that can be dangerous. But whenever you, you really sense the Holy Spirit saying, that person needs help, and I want you to use you to do it, and you're like, I'm already almost late for work, I don't have time, Right? But whenever we listen to that and whenever we obey God in those times, maybe it's a financial thing. 
Sometimes it's not. But whenever we give from the heart, there's a part of us when it's all said and done that lights up, that our flesh nature, the part of us that's telling us it's not a good idea, it can't even handle. But something way down deep, when we have been, uh, when it has costed us something, when we give from the heart, our spirit lights up. It's interesting when we look at how God gave, because that's really the prime example of how we're supposed to give, right? God gave Jesus. And how many of you remember the scripture, John 3, 16? It's, it's kind of a well-known scripture. But interestingly, it says, God so loved the world that he, that he gave. He didn't give and then love. The word, the word says that he loved so much that he gave. He was so filled with love for you and for me. He knew your name. He knew your condition that he gave. He didn't give first. He loved first. And I just got to say, love-driven gifts, that's giving from the heart. Because we're, we're totally capable of giving and not loving. And that's when it becomes a superficial thing, a shallow thing. It becomes something that we do out of self-interest and not for the genuine interest of somebody else. But God so loved that he gave. And when we talk about giving, we gotta, we got to think we got to love first. got to find that place in our hearts that is interested in the other person, that's interested in the cause, interested in the kingdom of God, and develop a love for that in our hearts. And that will always drive you to action. It will always drive you to give of yourself. And that's the way God gave, and that's the example that we're supposed to follow. Love-driven giving. In 2 Corinthians, there's a guy by the name of Paul who's writing, and matter of fact, this particular guy wrote a lot of letters in the New Testament to the churches that we read about, and 2 Corinthians uh, is the second letter to the Corinthian church, and he explains God's command not just to give, but to be generous. How many of you know there's a difference between being generous and giving? Because we can give, right, and not love, and that's not really generosity. But out of this, there, there are several things that we see that happen um, when we not just give, but are generous. And I just want to kind of go through very quickly uh, a few of them here. He says this. He says, when you sow generously, you reap generously. He says, when you're generous and you sow generously, he compares it to a seed that you sow. This was a farming um, society back then, so they would have understood this. And we can kind of understand it living in Wayne County, right? When we, a farmer sows, what do they eventually do? They reap a harvest. And he says, when you sow generously, you reap generously. Uh, chapter 9, verse 6 says this. He says, remember this. That's, that means we got to take note of it. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So right off the bat, he describes being generous like sowing a seed that you reap a harvest from. And if you think of it like your hand, like, you know, sometimes when we have resources, time, energy, finances, whatever, and, and our hand is clenched because we don't want to give, we guard it like it's ours, right? And we don't want to let any out. That's fine. You can do that. But none gets in either because your hand is closed. But he says when you can think of it like sowing generously and your hand is open and things go out, but guess what? Your hand is open for things to come back in too, for God to give you favor, for God to pour blessing back into your life. And so when you sow generously, you reap generously. When you're generous, the second thing, it sets God's affections on you. Look down at verse 7. He says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And then he defines how. He says, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. How many of you have ever felt pressure to give? Nobody? Now some hands are going, come on, don't, don't we feel pressure to give sometimes? We're like, you know what, I just feel all this pressure. Maybe it's the emotional thing where our emotions are just kind of overtaken and we just want to give everything we have. 
you know, and then the day after that, you're like, I really wish I hadn't have done that <laughs> because it was a really emotional thing, and now I'm broke, right? Um, I, I have a kind of a rule in my life that I live by. If I'm emotional about something, I don't do anything. I wait. I, you know, I, I hit the pause button. I, I go to bed and wake up the next morning, and still that feeling's still there. Pray about it. Give yourself some time, you know? And so he's saying that when you give, don't give out of pressure. Don't give reluctantly. In other words, don't be begrudgingly giving somebody something. He says, but do it with a decided heart. And then he says this, for God, what's the next word? Loves. God loves someone who gives cheerfully. So that means if we're giving out of pressure, we're not cheerful when we're giving. If we're giving begrudgingly or reluctantly, then we're not cheerful when we're giving. He says he loves a cheerful giver. Does that mean God doesn't love me if I don't give cheerfully? Well, you've got to understand, the word there doesn't mean the, the forever unchanging agape love that God is. And to kind of give you an example there, have you ever had your mom or dad say, you know, I love you, but I really don't like you right now? <laughs> you know what I mean? I love you, but I, I'm going to rip your head off if you do that again. You know what I mean? And that really confuses us as kids, but we, we kind of get what, what they're saying there. There's a love that doesn't go away as a parent, and that's what God's telling you. He made you. He is absolutely in love with the idea of having a relationship with you. But when we give from a generous heart, being made in his image, doing what he does that captures his heart, he turns to you. It, it puts his affections on you, and, and God is always going to love you no matter what you do. And, and I would even be as bold as to say this. He will love you even if you decide to ignore him and run the other way. That's, that's the Bible right there. But how awesome is it and how much greater is it when we serve him and he likes us? He actually sees what we're doing and his affections are on us. That's what happens when we're generous with our, with our finances, with our time, with our energy. Number three, when, when, we're, when we're generous, there's abundant blessing for the purpose of being generous. Listen to what verse 10 says. It says, for God is the one that provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat, meaning every resource you ever have, God's the one that provides it, okay? He says, in the same way, he's going to provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Look at the first part of verse 11. It says, yes. Say yes. That was about half of you. Say yes. 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 That's some people who believe this stuff. You will be enriched in every way. Say every way. Yeah, this sounds like a motivational speech now, doesn't it? It's, it's not, we're not talking about money here. He's saying in every way, relationally, emotionally, what parts of your life do you need healing in? He's saying when you're generous with yourself, because it's not just an act at one time or another, it's a personality. It's a character that you have. It's a generous person. He says you're going to be enriched in every way. And, and why? Does he just do it so you can hoard it up? No. He's saying so that you can be generous always. In other words, there are things that as you become a generous person, God says he's going to pour into your life. He wants to reward you. And he's saying, I'm going to pour blessing into your life. And when I do, you're going to be so blessed, you're not going to be able to hold it all, and you're going to be so grateful, and you're going to pour out into other people. Now, that's the kind of blessing I want in my life, where I've got more than enough, and I can say, I look around and say, Who, who's in need, God? Lord, who do you want me to pour into? And that's a win-win, isn't it? That sounds good. Number four, when you're generous, God gets praise from it all. Look at verse, look at the last part of verse 11 and into verse 12. He says, and when we take your gifts to those who need them, they're going to thank God. And so two good things are going to result from the ministry of giving. 
the needs of the believers in Jerusalem are going to be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. And as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. And for your generosity to them and to all believers, it will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Christ. And so all these people, the recipients, are giving thanks to God because of what the believers gave. And they were generous, and all of a sudden, God's getting thanks. You know that one of the biggest uh, things that God loves to involve himself in is a relationship with people when they're praising him and thanking him. He loves that. It's like he didn't make us just to kind of do the whole religious acts and then go home. He, he made us for relationship. And thankfulness is one of the biggest ways that we can come into relationship with God, to be intimate with God in relationship. And he says, when you give, there's people on the receiving end of that that begin to give me thanks. And that's one of the biggest things that he loves. And for us to be able to be a part of that is amazing. That he would call us to do something that would bring him glory in that way. And when we're generous people, God gets praise from it. Now, I, I want to talk about how much should we give, because that's always something that when we start talking about giving and being generous, that's, that's kind of the question that people begin to have. How much is enough? How much is too much? How much is too little, right? Am I, am I being real enough? Yeah, we all, we all have that question, um, and when it, we, we all struggle with it. We can become obsessed with a number. We can become obsessed with, with how much, what's the number, where does the decimal go, how many zeros <laughs> go after it. And really, God really doesn't care so much about the number. You know what God cares about? God cares about being generous. He cares about generosity. And that isn't about a number. That's about the character that you have inside of you. There was this law in the Old Testament that said that when you farm, you think of like a square field, it said instead of going all the way and harvesting all the way to the edge, he said, do a rounded corner. And that would leave some harvest in the corners so that poor people would have a dignified way of gathering their food. And when you stack your carts with the harvest, he says, as you're going down the trail there, if something falls off, don't pick it up. He said, because we want to have the poor folks come and have a dignified way of, of gathering their food. And so that would be left for the poor. But the problem is, is God never said how close to the corner they could get. Is it going to be a really close, tight kind of circle? Or are we supposed to leave a bigger circle to leave more harvest? Are we supposed to stack you know, our, our, our carts to where the harvest only comes a little bit high so we're sure that nothing's going to fall off? Or is, are, are we supposed to stack them really high so is, there's something for sure going to fall off? Or how, much, how high should we go so that more falls off or less falls off? What, you know, God never said. He never said how close to get to the corner, how, how much to leave in the corners for the poor folks. He never said how high to stack your cart so how much you know, could, could fall off. And people could be obsessed with that. How close can I get? How much should I leave? How high can I stack my cart? And the fact is God never says. You know what he says? He says be generous. And that comes down to your heart. That comes down to where you are in him. And when it comes to the commandment of being generous, no amount is given. So let's stop struggling over how much of my stuff should I give. Let's stop struggling over that. Because here's the fact. The goal is not a certain amount. The goal is generosity. The goal isn't a certain amount. The goal is generosity. And we see examples all through Bible about this. God is looking for your heart. I remember whenever my oldest son was about, I don't know, three years old, four years old, we started teaching him how to pray. 
You know, it's a good thing to do for your kids, right? Well, they, they don't really know how to pray from the heart necessarily. We're just trying to teach them that, hey, before a meal, you should probably give thanks, okay? So for a three- or four-year-old, you teach them the canned prayer, and everybody's is different. I remember one time I was sitting in McDonald's, and the people behind me were praying for their meal with their kids, and uh, I just kind of paused a minute because I was going to think, well, I wonder how they pray. I wonder what they say with their kids. And they started out, mm-mm, good, mm-mm, good. All God's food is mm-mm, good. I was like, amen? You know, <laughs> let's enjoy what we, I was like, that's one way to do it, man. So I, 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 we taught our oldest son how to pray. We kind of did this, you know, thank you, Jesus, for our food. Bless it to our bodies, you know, so our kids can serve you better. And um, in Jesus' name, amen. And so we, we did that for a while, and he got, he got it, man. He was, he was on it. He could say it front, frontwards and backwards. And one day, oh, he was getting ready for lunch. I had him in the bathroom washing his hands, and I was in the kitchen, and I heard him in there praying while he's washing his hands. And I thought, was he practicing? But he was really getting into it. Thank you, Jesus, for my food. And I said, buddy, I said, what are you doing in there? He said, well, I'm just praying now. So when I get to the table, I won't have to say anything. I could just start eating. <laughs> and I thought right then, you know, it's probably time to start teaching him how to pray from the heart. <laughs> you know, he's got the words down, but there's something in his heart that, you know, God really wants. And so, so when he got to the table, I said, all right, this time, I don't want you to say anything that you know or have memorized. I just want you to try to say like maybe one sentence right? That, that, that's from the heart that you're grateful for. And then he was like froze. He didn't know what to say because he had never put himself in that position before. And that, that's a growing process that we do. And so when it comes to our giving, sometimes we just give what somebody else gives or we give what somebody told us to give. And we've never put ourselves in that uncomfortable position to think, what is my heart saying? What is generous for me? And that's really what God's after. He wants it to come from a place in our, in our hearts. So being generous isn't an act at one time or another. It's, it's more of a way of life. It's a, it's a personality trait. It's a part of you. It, it's like a muscle in, in your body. If you don't use it, you lose it, right? And, and giving is kind of like that. The good news is, is if you use it wisely, then it begins to grow, and you can actually enhance the generosity that you have in your life, doing those four things that we just talked about. So for the time we have left over, what, what I want to do is I want to walk through five phases of giving, five phases of being generous. And we're typically, you know, in a room this size, we're all in, the, all in one of these five phases. And I just want to talk through them. And I want to ask each one of you to do this. Take an honest look at where you are uh, on the journey to becoming a generous giver. Now, these five phases aren't bad, depending on where you are. They're not bad, you know, wherever you're at. Um, they're just where you're at. And so, again, no beating yourself up. Let's ask God where we need to be, and let's strive to be better, right? Isn't that what this is all about? So the first phase of being generous that we typically come to is self-interest, self-interest giving. And all of us can understand this approach. Um, Pastor Jim tells a story about whenever he planted the church in Virginia, and they were really small at this time. They were early on. Um, and early on, he wrote a letter to the members of the church basically saying that, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to make salaries this month because general giving is in decline. And he just was kind of making the point that, you know, we are going to live within our means. And it was very nice, but it was very factual. And so it got everybody thinking, you know, how can we, how can we do this better? How can we increase giving? How can we talk about being generous? And this one guy um, who wasn't even a member of the church and probably wasn't even a Christian, he said he didn't think he was, but he loved the church. He loved to come to the services. He loved it there. And so this guy comes up with the idea. He said, we just need to start charging $10 at the door. 
And said, if we did that, to be sure, he said, in fact, we could even take it a step further. If you're 12 to 18, five dollars. Give them a little bit of a break, you know. And if if you're under 12, three bucks. He said, and then charge two dollars to park. <laughs> we can really have this thing licked. Um, and he was serious, and he he felt really good about himself because he had found a way to keep the doors open. Now, understand, he didn't know the biblical principles of giving, and he didn't even care. He just he just really loved the church. He got something out of it, and he wanted to find a way to do it. And he was willing to pay the ten dollars every week to make this happen. But the fact is, is that we've all supported things for self-interest. All of us have, whether it be a little league. Uh, organization that our kids are involved in and we want our kids to to be to go there maybe it's a it's a pta um, at the school parent teacher association or some type of club Um, maybe for you it's fantasy football Uh, when i was talking about this on thursday night i had a couple of guys come come to me after the service and say when you said fantasy football i was literally on my phone making picks (laughs) well that's that's good he said you had me Um, but we've all given for in for some things in our life for self-interest. So we can all understand that, and there's nothing wrong with some of that. But when it comes to the Bible, there is nothing about self-interest giving in there. Nothing. In fact, everything, every time the word giving is talked about in the New Testament, it has to do with um, giving of yourself. It has to do with sacrifice. It has to, it's tied to, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute, it's tied to Christ and what he did for us as the example. Every time. And that's kind of, as we move into phase two, Maybe some of you are in phase two, and this, especially if you've committed to Christ recently, that's this, spiritual gratitude. You're grateful for Christ and, and what he did on the cross. You, you're so grateful. And there's a, a scripture in Psalms 116, verse 12, that says this, What can I give the Lord for all the good things that he has given to me? Man, we are, when we first get saved, when we first commit our lives to Christ, we are so grateful for what we did. And we think about the, the difference between where we, where we were and where we are now. We think about the weight of how he died for our sins and how now we're free. You remember the guilt and the shame that was associated with the life that, that maybe you lived before? You know what I'm talking about? Come on, is there any real people in here? You don't have your church face on this morning, do you? Can we just be real? The guilt and the shame that's associated with the way we were living. I can remember back in the day going to bed at night and feeling like I was just holding a, a truck on my chest with the guilt. And when you think about that guilt and that shame, and then you think about what Christ did and how he just took it all, and then now all of a sudden we're free, and we can live this free life, and it's a free gift, and it sets us free not only from our sin, but from the hurts and the habits and hang-ups that we continually struggle with. And the Word says that, you know, we're, he gives us all the grace we need to get through that stuff. Man, we're grateful. And we, so we give out of being grateful. And some of us are at this level. Uh, we, we've moved beyond the simply paying my share around here mentality. Uh, or, or we've moved beyond, you know, I'm so excited to be at the bridge. I just want to give. Um, but instead, our giving is an overflow of gratitude for what Christ did. That's a good place to be. So it starts with self-interest. It moves to spiritual gratitude. And in time, it moves to phase three, which is this, spiritual obedience. Spiritual obedience. People in this phase, they, they begin to understand the weight of God's word when he commands something. They begin to understand that when God says something, it's not, it's not really an option in my life because I've completely surrendered my life to him. And when he says something, he means it. And when he says something, I want to do it. There's a story in the Bible where a military man has a, a sick servant. And he comes to Jesus. Jesus is kind of out doing his thing. And he tells him, Jesus, I've got this, this servant at my home. They're about to die um, you know, I need you to heal him. And Jesus, with compassion, says, I'm willing, let's go. 
And he says, no, 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 don't, I don't want you to come to my house. I'm unworthy for you to come into my house. But I'm a man of authority. I understand the, the, the way the process goes with authority. I know all you have to do is command it. And if you say it, I know it's going to be done. You only need to command it, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, you know what? He said, I've, I haven't found faith like this. He, and he, he commanded it, and it happened. He understood the weight of Jesus' command. He understood that when Jesus said something, it was as good as done. And so when Jesus speaks, when Jesus uh, gives commands in his word, when Jesus says something, for people who are in this phase, they understand the weight of it. And they do it. And when he talks about giving, when he talks about being generous, it's not an option for people that are in this phase. It's something that they're going to do, not because I feel like it, not because, you know, I'm, I'm at new. It's just simply because he says it. And they typically will give in a few different ways. Um, since we're talking about finances, let me just name a couple of those. When he talks about the tithes, people give tithes because Jesus said it. And where does that go? Typically, people want to ask. We're not going to dive deep into it, but that's typically the general fund of the church. That's where the, the, the utilities come out of. That's where the facility costs come out of. That's where the salaries come out of. That's where the equipment comes out of. Um, you may not know this, but every time you flush a toilet or turn on the water, there's, there's people that give to this church and tithes, and that's where, that, that's where we're able to pay for that. You, we, a lot of times we, we don't think about that. Uh, this church is so blessed with what it's able to do um, with our services and in our community and all the, the stuff before the service, and you see all the different ministries that are flashing on the screens. We're able to fund this stuff. The reason is because people pay tithes. And when, when, when people in this phase in spiritual obedience, when they understand that God says it, they do it because they're obeying. Another way is free will offerings. And that's kind of what we're talking about today when it comes to being generous. Um, what's given beyond the tithe is uh, given freely as the Holy Spirit directs. It's what they've decided to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Um, but they, they begin that when they love, they, they begin to understand when they love first and then give, and that it becomes a cheerful thing that they do. And that's a blessing that God gives. There's no hidden agendas. There's no ulterior motives. They're simply giving because the Holy Spirit led them to, and they want to do something to meet a need. Phase four is similar to phase three. Phase four is this. Maybe you're here. Spiritual vision. People at this level, they, they understand that the world isn't just in their little box. They, they have a broader perspective about what God is doing in the world. They understand that all of their giving is done against the backdrop of a bloodstained cross. It's all about what Jesus did for them. They're, they're committed to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, but they've matured to the point where they look at the world differently in the, in, in the sense that their giving is tied to souls being saved. They, they understand, hey, I, got, I was set free by Jesus Christ, but now it's not just about me. It's not about what God can give me. It's about this kingdom effort that I've stepped into. And God is not just interested in me having this conversion moment and then kind of leaving me be for the rest of my life. But he's saying, I want you to make disciples. That was his command right before he left and went to heaven. Did you know? He says, I want you to go out and basically reproduce yourself. I want you to go out and tell other people about the good news, to tell other people about this freedom that you've had in me. And I want you to gain more souls. I want you to do it. I'm going to help you. I'm going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to put you in a family, a church family that can surround you. And then with my, the Holy Spirit, I'm going to empower you to be able to do things you could never do in and of yourselves. And so when we talk about giving uh, and, and, and having this spiritual vision, people in this phase, they understand that it's so much bigger than just themselves. They, 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 they understand the weight 
of, of what God is trying to do in this world. And so all of their giving becomes not just look at what I did or, or anything like that. It becomes a, a, a testimony to souls being saved in their hearts. And they're ready to go. They're ready to do it. And, and the more of you that get to this level, the greater the opportunity that we have to transform. But the fact is, is that you've got to be the one. I've got to be the one to bump into this. God won't hook you with a hook and drag you into it. It's a heart thing, and you've got to submit yourself to him and, and say, God, give me wisdom. Show me. The word says that when you seek him, you find him. And when you find him, you find life and favor from him. And part of this is, and what I've come to realize, is when you seek God genuinely, he will show you his priorities for your life. And a lot of times, it's filtered, it's, it's bathed in his priorities. And for some of you, that scares you, but the Lord said he knows the desires of your heart. He wants to give them to you. But his priorities, man, they're so much bigger and so much better. And we find joy in giving even more whenever we can do it from this spiritual vision, this, this vision that God has. And all of a sudden, it's like looking through the lens of Christ and seeing the world how he sees it. There is a joy there that is massively greater than anything we could ever imagine. Phase five is this, giving as an act of worship. Some of us are here. Some of us need to get to this place. There's a story in Luke chapter seven where Jesus was invited to this house and by one of the religious leaders, a lot of people like to invite him over. They like to question him. They like to kind of get in his grits because he was claiming to be something they didn't believe. They didn't believe he was it. He was claiming to be the Son of God, the Messiah. They'd all been waiting for. And they'd, they'd invite him over. Sometimes it would be to trap him in his words. But So he went, and there's a lot of people. And in this society, people followed Jesus everywhere he went. They didn't have Internet. They didn't have TV. Some of them didn't have anything better to do. So they went around to the guy that was you know, walking on water and making food appear out of nowhere. And, and they just wanted to see what was going on. Um, some people were curious. But they would follow him, and not everybody was invited to go in the house, but what they would do is they would stand around the windows, around the doors, and they'd listen. So there was a, a lot of people here, a lot of religious leaders here, and then there was this woman who had a very sinful life. She was a prostitute at one time, and she was broken. And let's, let's read the story of what happens. It says, now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house. He reclined at the table. And when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, keep in mind, she was not invited to this place. When she learned that he was there, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped him with her hair and kissed him and poured this perfume on him. I want you to imagine the scene for a minute. She risked everything to walk into this room. This was a religious crowd that looked at her like, a, like a, just a dog, a sinful person that didn't deserve God. This is how they thought. And she risked embarrassment. She risked um, any ridicule. She risked all this stuff to go in here. And she had this, this, this jar of perfume that the Bible says was worth a year's wages. So you put that number in your head. This is what she had. And it was used in her sinful life to lure men, to lure sin. To that, it was part of that life. And she emptied herself. She could have sold it and became rich and just lived off of it. But she saw Jesus as the son of the living God that came to die for her sins. 
She saw Jesus as more than just this figure that she wanted to be associated with. She saw Jesus as somebody that she wanted to lay her life out for. She saw Jesus as somebody that she wanted to give her all to. And her giving became not about what people would see her doing because she was embarrassed just to be there. She risked everything socially just to walk in this room. It wasn't about that. And then not only that, but she took the, the, the most valuable thing she had and she dumped it out completely at his feet, weeping as she did it, a broken heart. She wasn't giving to, so someone could see who, who, who she was. She was giving in worship. She was giving with a full heart. She was giving because she knew that no one else was worthy of the gift that she had. And so giving for her became an act of worship. And when you reach this, this level of giving as an act of worship, this is when accountants don't really understand why you're giving the way you're giving. This is when your friends don't understand why, why you're taking some of your assets and you're, and you're giving to people that may not, in their eyes, deserve it. This is whenever you, you take your time and you pour it in to efforts and, and causes and broken people's lives. And people around you, your friends, you're canceling things with them. You're canceling trips so that you can take that, that money and, and give it to something. They don't get it. They don't understand it. In fact, you start having to just kind of withhold information because you don't want them to ridicule you. When you start giving as an act of worship, it, it is not about what you're giving. It's not about the amount. It is about when I give, I give as unto God, and he deserves my all. And it becomes an act of worship. If there is a joy inside of you as you begin to give like this that is unmatched, unparalleled, nobody, people around you can't even understand. But the Bible says that when you give like this, he said, don't, don't give so that other people can see it. You're storing up treasures in heaven. He said, and up there, it doesn't go away. It doesn't rust. Moths can't eat it like they do here when they eat your clothes. He said, but it, it, doesn't, it doesn't rust. It doesn't, it doesn't decay. You're storing, when you give like this, you're, you're giving all of yourself here as unto Christ. Other people are being able to give thanks because of it. He says, but you're storing up for yourself treasures that don't go away. So the only giving that counts is cheerful giving, is generous giving, and Generous, cheerful givers, they come in all shapes and sizes. Anywhere on this, in, in these phases that we've talked about, self-interest, gratitude, obedience, vision, and worship. And I just want to ask you, where are you in all that? Where, where are you within those phases? Just to kind of take an honest inventory. Maybe you're at the place where, where you're like, you know what, I'm, I've been kind of giving. Stuff's been, been going out, but it's, it's kind of been about me in my heart. The amount's really doesn't matter. It's, it's kind of been about me, and you're honest with yourself, and you're saying, you know what? God, change me. Move me up. Maybe you're at that place where God's been calling you to give, and you think God's just trying to drain your life. Let's just get real. But sometimes, God's not doing that. What, what he's doing is saying, I want you to move into a deeper realm of worship with me, intimacy with me. And that always demands us giving ourselves out, emptying ourselves for him to be able to do that. Gage and the team, if you guys would come up. I just want to say, we're getting ready to, to go into our time of giving, and I just want to say, if you're a first-time guest here today, I don't want you to feel like you have to give anything. This is kind of an interesting week that you've kind of come to the bridge with. Um, we're getting ready to do something that's kind of culminated in something that we've been doing for, for three weeks now. Um, so if you're here for the first time, I don't want you to feel like that you have to give anything. No one's going to look down on you or anything like that. And if you're prepared to give, uh, we're, we're getting ready to do that. Um, 
And, and what we're going to do is, in just a minute, if, if you're prepared to give, if you have your offering fit for a king, we're going to get in this aisle way over here. So just kind of walk over to your left, and we're going to come back here. We're going to come across the front, drop our offering in there, and you can use this aisle way on your right to go back to your seat. And I just want to encourage you, when, when you come by this basket, when you drop it in, there's a phrase that's kind of in my heart right now. And I just want you to maybe digest this for you if that's something that you feel like you want to say to God. But just, God, use this for your glory. Take this and use it for your glory. Don't, don't put the attention on me. Don't put the attention on what I feel like it needs to go to or something I really want to start here at the church and I hope this can fund it. God, take this and use it for your glory. All the rest, it'll work itself out, I promise you. There's different ways that we do that here. But as far as generosity goes in our hearts today, can we, maybe that's what you want to say to him today as you go by. God, do you take this and use it for your glory? If I can have our leaders that are prepared to give today, if you could just kind of come up. And as our leaders are coming first, we, we actually did this on Thursday night too. Um, a lot of them gave, some of them are serving today, so... Uh, all of our leaders aren't, aren't able to be in here today. Some of them are serving in other areas. They were able to do this Thursday night. But I, I, the reason why I want you to do this is I, I want you to see that you have leaders that are going first in their giving because they're bought out and sold to Jesus Christ and the cause of this church giving to the kingdom of God. Not because they, they didn't ask to do this. They didn't necessarily want to come up here for you to see them. But the Bible in First Chronicles, they, they started giving to the, to the temple. And David went first, which was the king at the time. Maybe you've heard of King David. He, he gave out of his personal treasuries. It really pumped the leaders up. The leaders begin to give. And then it says the people were so overly joyed at what they saw the leaders do that they begin to give thanks to God and be joyful. There is something that happens when you watch your leaders, the ones who are leading you spiritually and, and in this church, when, when you watch them go first, and when you begin to understand and get a visual like this, that they're sold out. They're not just here, you know, just, just going through the motions. They're sold out. They want to give. And I just I want you to see it. I want you to see it first so that you can say, you know what, there's joy in my heart by watching them go first. You don't have leaders here that are just going through motions. You have leaders that are sold out to God, and they're, they're, they're going first today. So what I want us to do as the, as the team plays this, this song and worship, I want you just to go ahead and stand up right where you're at if you're prepared to give today and just kind of line up behind them and we're going to go and we're going to worship God as we do this because you know that this giving is probably, when it's done in, in pure gen, uh, generosity in your heart, it's one of the greatest acts of worship that you can do. And as we do this today and as they lead us, I want us to worship together. Can we do that? All right. Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You've never failed Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Faithfulness, I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail. Your promise is. 
Can we just pray? I just want to say a prayer over, over your giving today and over your life, and then we'll let you go. Lord, this is so much more, God, than just uh, an average day. Lord, you've seen people in this very room. You see hearts. You see generosity today. That's so much deeper than just walking up here. You see hearts. This is just kind of the way that we've done it today to make it meaningful. But, Lord, you see hearts. You see people that are sacrificing today. Lord, and I know that grabs you. I know that sets your affections on us. Lord, I know that your word says that when we sow generously, we reap generously, blessing, abundant blessing in our lives for the purpose of giving. Lord, all these promises that you make, Lord, I, we just are thankful and stand on your word for that. Lord, I, I, I got to believe that there are some people in this room that gave today in complete faith 
knowing that, Lord, you're, it's up to you to come through. And Lord, I just I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come and stretch, for the opportunity that we have to come and grow in generosity. I know it gets your attention. I know it grabs your heart. And you see, you see every person, you see every heart, you see every act today. Your attention is on us, Lord. And we just, church, can we just offer thanks to him? That, that's amazing to be able to get God's heart like that, to catch his attention like that. Lord, you're, you're, you're king. You made the whole earth. You made everything. You're a king of kings. But yet you see us right now. Your eyes are on us. And for that, we're grateful. Lord, I just, I pray blessing, Lord, according to your word over each giver today. Lord, over each person, God, that gave, over each sacrifice. Lord, each family. Lord, be true to your word. And we're going to give you all the thanks for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Can we say amen together? Amen. Love every one of you. I'm so grateful to give with you like we have today. I want you to have a great week, and we'll see you again on Sunday.